a very warm welcome to the Financial Freedom Podcast, delivered with personality by the team from Rachel Bell Wealth Management, along with their special guests. Today, we're talking all about later life planning. Now, we're going to get into the detail of that in uh, just a, a few moments' time. But before we do, please note that the discussion points we cover in this podcast are for our own views or those of the guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action. Well, joining me in the studio today is Practice Principal Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello, James. And Financial Advisor Abigail. Hi, Abigail. Hello, James. So, Abigail, I'm, I'm going to come straight to you to kick this one off. What is later life planning? So, later life planning essentially is where you're retired, you're starting to get a bit older and you may be not as able as you once were. So, you might need a bit of help and support to get through your daily activities of life or you maybe need to consider moving home it's just where you start to you know get a bit older and just need a bit more care and support around you really okay so how, how does this typically manifest itself and when, when will a family know that they need to start this process of later life planning is there something that kicks it all off well really it's it can be when a family member just needs you know need somebody to check in on, on them every day, maybe help them get dressed, maybe help them with the meals, maybe getting a bit forgetful and not taking the medication. And it's just where it's a point where they do need help and support each day. Um, so the NHS in 2021 did a study and they estimated that 24% of men and 28% of women aged 65 and over needed help with at least one daily living task. So that can be washing, um, getting dressed, um, even just being able to walk a, a certain distance. Um, and over half the people aged 80 do need help or care. So probably, yeah, as I said, when, when you start to notice is when someone needs a bit more help to do things that ordinarily someone would normally be able to do. Commonly as well, James, where, where we often start to become involved would be that we might be having a conversation with you, let's say, um, about your own financial planning and we will say something and your mind will go straight to your parents or your grandparents and thinking, oh, that's something I maybe need to think about for my mum. Or during conversations, you might be telling us about how um, you know, you go around to help your dad with the gardening a lot more or um, you kind of spend a bit more time because you're a little bit worried about them with things like that. So it can very often be that we will become part of a conversation through a, a, through their child, um, as it were. And then we kind of look at look at coming into the conversation with the parent who is starting to struggle a little bit more along with uh, along with the child so it's not necessarily the person who needs care because i think it can often be very very difficult you know so if we think about our grandparents generation or parents generations it's the british just get on with everything and just deal with everything um that you don't talk about it because actually you probably a little bit embarrassed that you can't do the same things as you once did and you try and hide the fact that you can't do the things that you once did as well so it's not an it's a very difficult area to get that level right and it's got to be done very carefully okay then so i'm, I'm going to create two fictional families so we can start to get to grips with how we uh, how we how we how we go about tackling situations like this so in family one there is a, a chap called jeremy 
And uh, Jeremy is at the point now where he really can't look after himself at home. Uh, he does have children, but they're busy with the day-to-day -day lives, busy with their own families, busy with their own jobs. And so it looks like the best way in which Jeremy can get care is to go into a care home. So that's Jeremy's situation. Uh, and then uh, the other family has got a, a lady in the family called Claudia. Claudia is starting to struggle with tasks around and about the house. Can't cook anymore, um, but is fiercely independent and wants to stay at home. So Claudia wants to stay at home and needs some sort of at-home help. Jeremy really needs to get out of the home and into some sort of care facility. So these things come at a significant cost. So how does that all work in the context of what somebody has at any given moment in time? Um, and, 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 and how does it all come into, how does it all come into play? Well, the first step is the local council needs to do a care needs assessment. So they need to assess um, Claudia and Jeremy and see what care needs they actually have. Um, and they'll also sort of put together a bit, a bit of a care plan as well. Then what they also need to consider and do is a financial needs assessment. So they'll look at what assets and what um, income do Jeremy and Claudia have at the moment? Um, what will be funded? Um, because with some levels of care, such as if you need nursing care, that is part of the NHS. So yeah, so, so there's different assessments going on. So the care needs assessment and then there's a financial assessment as well that takes place. Okay, so let's let's focus on Jeremy for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, he owns a house. It's worth 300k. He's got other wealth of around 200. So he's got about half a million quid's worth of assets in some way or another. What what does that mean for, for him and his family? Because he'd always thought, well, my kids will, will get it all. I've worked hard for it. They'll inherit it. And it's as simple as that. But there's this curveball now, which is a, he, he needs to go into a care home. So how, how does that all, how does it all work? And how do you advise on situations like that for clients that you that you have at the moment i'll start with how it works so if jeremy had a wife or husband partner at home they won't take the house into consideration when they're doing the financial needs assessment but if he lived on his own um he didn't have a dependent family member living there then they do take the house into consideration so what they would do is they would say right the, the top cap is £23,250. So Jeremy's got half a million, so he's got more than that. So Jeremy will be expected to pay for all of his fees, um, all of his care home fees. So we'll call that sort of the B&B, &B, the hotel part of it. And his personal care as well. Nursing care is different, as I said before, it's, it's um, to do with the NHS, that part. But what would happen in the um, financial assessment is they'd look at his assets and he'd be deemed as he could pay for, for those fees. What we would do and how we would treat it and how we would give guidance is, um, I guess there's a variety of solutions in how you can pay for your care home fees you know you can look at your pensions and the income you take you can use your investments to pay for it there are things such as annuities which can go give you a guaranteed income for life and um 
fungi care fees as well so there's, so there's lots of different things you can do but I guess it's not a case of right I need to go into care I need to sell this house because if Jeremy's built up other assets elsewhere and they're going to be enough to pay for his care home then you would you could address that first it's not just a case of everything gets taken off you yeah and, and I think that that's really well explained Abigail. oh that thank really, you really <laughs> uh, not that I'm surprised that you explain things well but um there's an awful lot to consider and it's often your considerations are with the wider family as well as Jeremy. Mm -hmm, yeah. And so if Jeremy is on his own, uh, and then the, the it's quite hard hitting when you're going through the fundamentals of how it all works because the differentiation as to what is nursing care and what is personal care, um, you know, people assume that if you need the care that that can be paid for. You don't think of how much they add up for the hotel part of it, which is effectively your food, your accommodation and everything like that. And the costs can become really quite significant very quickly. But again, especially with the generation that are looking at needing care at the moment, a lot of these people will also have very good pension income. Um, they used to have pensions which you don't really get the same anymore or what they call final salary pensions where they've got a really good level of income. So sometimes that level of income can support the majority of the care needs. Uh, so again, we would just work with the family to ascertain what the needs were. Um, and half the problem sometimes can be that the family just don't know where to start in how you get dad help how you get him the support um, with that. And, and that that can be really challenging because as we know with local councils, resources are stretched significantly. And thankfully the care industry is now regarded a lot better than it was pre-COVID, you know, pre-pandemic, because it's such a vital job, but there's not enough people giving care. So it's not as simple and straightforward, unfortunately, as you need to go to your local authority who will do this care assessment. There's often a long wait between and you often find as family that if they know that there's family there that you ask to do an awful lot yourself. So if you've got somebody that can help you take care of some of those parts and you can focus on the day-to-day -day bit of looking after dad, that's great. Um, we can kind of squirrel and get all of the information. We've got access to something called a care concierge service for our clients which means that we've got expertise at our fingertips that we can call on to help us with the planning. And we have all of the processes which you would expect behind the scenes so that we can plan accordingly for exactly what that, that client needs. And often it's dealing with the care home directly as well, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Um, so Abigail's got a case at the moment where you're working directly with the solicitor and the care home for the benefit of, uh, of a client. Say a little bit about that one. Yeah, so I'm working with a solicitor who's the lasting power of attorney. And for her, she her main priority is just to make sure there is enough money coming in to pay for those care home fees. Um, the lady that's in the care home, um, she, she's mentally sound. Um, she's got lots of assets. Um, but the lasting power of attorney is aware that they'll be starting to dwindle, um, dwindle down. So for us to be able to work with the lasting power of attorney to find a solution and present her with that solution that will mean the care home will, fees will always be funded. 
the lasting power of attorney has such peace of mind. And she was actually really happy when I went to her because she said, I know this is what my client would want. I know I'm doing this and this is genuinely the option she would have chosen for herself. And for us to be able to do that for them, it's just been a case of a couple of meetings with myself. Um, you know, I've been able to, to deal with the care home, deal with different providers when looking at a solution. So it can be made very easy and simple for people. Whereas when you're in the thick of it, trying to do it yourself and you might have emotional ties and things like that, I can see how it, can, how it could be really, really stressful. I find it remarkable that as we go through various topics on these podcasts, my understanding of the the lengths that you sometimes go to for clients just gets deeper and deeper and it never fails to astonish me. So in an earlier pod, we were talking about you on your weekend going down to the police station with a, a client that you suspected was being scammed and quite badly scammed. Now we're talking about liaising directly with care homes for clients around care plans and that that just feels so far removed from what I think is the classic interpretation or impression of what a financial advisor is it is um, and we we strive to be not normal when it comes to that because we always work on the basis that we want to make a difference to people's lives positively through financial planning and it's about people and the the solicitor that Abigail was talking about, or the, the attorney, she was somebody who I would want to be looking after my needs if I was no longer able. And that's how we would like to be viewed by you, James, if it was that, that you just feel, do you know what? These guys can just help me. It's not my day job and take a little bit of pressure off, but actually we care. And some of it fundamentally is where the world of financial advice has really shifted for the better is it's financial planning. It's about the plan. It's about somebody's life. It's not a transaction. Um, and if ever you get the feeling that you are a transaction, then walk away because you really should be a lot more than that to anybody and helping the family and helping the client to know that they've got what they need. Mm. Or as Abigail said there, that the solicitor thought, you know what, this is exactly what that lady would mm. have wanted. That makes you, well, it just makes you feel really nice inside um, for, from that perspective, because it's, it's overwhelming trying to understand and fathom out the cost. Because what's the average cost? No. The average cost, um, so there was a, a UK care guide survey that was sort of published and it analysed care homes between December 2022 and February 2023. And they said that in the UK, the average it costs is about 46,000 per year. And that's without the nursing costs. But if you were to live in London and Brighton and places like that, you're looking at about 50,000. It sounds like a good holiday, but something makes me feel it's not going to be a particularly fantastic holiday. No, but did you know, James, interesting conversation that we've been having quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, actually. there was I can't remember where I heard um, the programme, but it was on some the news um, that was basically saying that there are now um, older generation of people who are serial worldwide cruisers. Because if you are, if you do have some capital and if you are not needing nursing care, then if you're on a cruise ship, there's a doctor on board, 
you've got your accommodation, you've got your entertainment, you've got food. Um, and I also discovered the other week that there is also a morgue that's on a cruise ship, which I don't know whether I was quite disturbed about or not, but, you know, sometimes things happen. I guess necessary when you're on the high seas. But thinking about it for myself, um, then I don't think that's a bad idea. And I think I would quite, you know, quite like to plan for, for that. And, and none of us want to think about it either. None of us want to think that we'll ever need care. It doesn't have to be a conversation about care. It can start off having a conversation about somebody wanting to stay in their own home, but how their investments can maybe help them to have somebody to come in and clean, somebody to come in and do the garden because they can't do the tasks that they used to do in the garden before. And if you've got that trust with somebody at that stage, then you're going to be able to continue that trust as you advise them as their needs become greater because it will happen at some point. So we, we, we've discussed, we've, we're talking on a number of occasions and, and on a recent pod about how you will essentially sit down with a client and plan out life, yeah. essentially, and plan out their needs and plan out their their cash requirements at any given point, um, whether that's the predicted marriage of a child, um, because at a point in life they are going to go on a world cruise and it's going to cost them 20k or whatever it might be. Or Disneyland. Or, or Disneyland. Or Disneyland. <laughs> you, you, you can't predict, though. You can't predict whether someone's going to need care or not. I, I guess you can predict that as people get older, their needs will increase. So how do you... When, you, when you're when going about this whole planning finances for 20, 30, 40 years into the future, how do you go about factoring in this bit of it? Or can you just not? Because it's... It's, unpredictable i guess it's sort of you know when it's making sure that if you do take an income from your assets in retirement and things like that that it's sustainable we do have to plan for a hundred year living um so we might not um necessarily say right the average of care home fees forty nine thousand a year um you need to make sure you have that available from 80 age 80 plus it's not a case of that because there's so many different components of your income and your assets that can add up that 49,000. But I guess for me, just making sure, which we do anyway, when we're advising clients when it comes to taking income from pensions or investments, that it's always sustainable amounts because it does, we have to plan for a hundred year living. And um, Aegon did do a survey where two thirds of people in the UK aren't considering health costs at all. Mm. So I would agree entirely with that mm -hmm. as well. Because the amount of people, when we do do that cash flow modelling and we are planning what they're going to need, haven't even considered or factored in that element because it, they don't want to think about it. So I think that's, yeah, I mean, I would have said as high as 80% mm. um, with that. So, yeah. So I painted a fairly linear picture with Jeremy. Just he's got this, and this is happening to him. And you've you sort of taken that apart really, and said, "Well, it's it's not a simple stickman picture. This it's it, there are so many moving parts and moving elements to it, and conversations that would need to be had in order to assess what was what was right for Jeremy." Um, I think the care home cruise. I've just I'm, I'm, I've, got, I've got a developing <laughs> business idea in my mind. Now, I'm going to approach Cunard and say, "Listen, can I just buy a wing of your ship, and I'm going to turn it into a care home, <laughs> and I'm going to call it Care Home Cruises." Um, <laughs> I 
think that's a really good idea, James. <laughs> <laughs> or Saga, maybe Saga cruises. That's perhaps that's perhaps more appropriate. Um, let, let's go to Claudia. And again, I, I suppose I painted a very linear picture of Claudia as well. She just needs help at home. So she, she can live semi-independently, but she needs help at home. Again, where does where does that fit into individual wealth and, and how it's paid for and what planning needs to be put in place? It still works the same. There still needs to be a care needs assessment by the council um, because if she does need someone nipping in every day to help her with, you know, running a house and looking after herself then that is a care need and with that there is a financial assessment as well still that needs to be take place because it will need to be funded so say because jeremy was had lots of assets let's say claudia maybe didn't so the top tier where you're expected to fund everything except nursing care is twenty three thousand two hundred fifty. so that's sort of the cap Say um, Claudia had less than, say she didn't own her home, she was maybe renting it, um, and she had less than 14250 It would be, you know, state benefits and everything like that that would fund all of her care needs. So if you've got less than that amount, that's when you're fully supported. You might not have, um, if it got to a point where Claudia wanted to go into a care home, she might not have the choice of care home, that she would maybe have preferred because she wouldn't be able to um, contribute extra money. Um, but yes, that's sort of the, the lower cap. So she wouldn't be able, for example, to afford a spot in Higgins <laughs> Care Home Cruises? No. Okay. No. Um, let's, let, let's go back to Jeremy because Jeremy uh-huh. did have a bit of money. Let's say Jeremy thinks he's been really savvy. Um, so he, he's getting to the age where he's thinking, I'm getting old. I might need some care or I might need some care support at some point in the future. So he, he finds ways of, in a tax efficient way, disposing of some of his assets. So he's giving money to families or he, he finds a way of transferring ownership of his his house to his kids. And then he does require that care home support and attention and residency. Is everything that he's done, is that, all fair game and okay and everything's protected or is there a way of the government coming in or HMRC or whoever it might be coming in and saying well actually you've deliberately got rid of all this because you thought that might happen so whenever I speak about um care planning you know uh speak to whenever you speak to anyone that there's a common misconception that you can just put your house in a family member's name and it can't be taken off you and it won't get assessed for care needs that's not true so if you as you said before start to dispose assets because you think care needs might be on the horizon that's called deprivation of assets and that's there is some rules around that and it is quite a gray area but your local authority can assess you and what they'll take into account is how old were you when you did the disposal of assets how healthy were you did you do it purposefully because you thought care needs might be on the horizon what was your your genuine reason for disposing the assets and yeah yeah it's quite it's quite a difficult one to to answer but it isn't as easy as just I'll put it in someone's name or I'll gift it out because if you do get assessed and you do sort of get picked on then you will be under scrutiny it's a very common question we get asked though, isn't it? Yeah. 
um, for um, either by the children, is it best for my mum to put the house in our name now or by uh, the person who's ageing and say, oh, well, I'm just going to put it in my son's name uh, with that. And we, you know, we, we do sometimes have to deliver bad news and say, I'm really sorry, but you know, that, that actually isn't effective, not just for care home either, but for estate planning and errands tax. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with that, so if you just put your house in somebody else's name, then what, in order for that to qualify, what the tax office would expect to see is you ha- would have to pay rent to your son and daughter who you'd, who you'd given it to. But then the tax office would expect to see that rent declared on their tax return. So they, they really do have a good look to see if it's been done properly. Uh, and if it hasn't, then it, it will just either fail as a gift or it will be taken into account when it comes to care fees. I have had a client say, could could I just pay rent of a pound a month as well? It has to be market, market value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess it feeds into the 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 sooner you start to plan as, as a family, really, across generations, mm-hmm. the more effectively you can plan, the more safely you can plan. And you can plan with more clarity. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is a bit of a special area later life planning. Is it? As, as financial advisor, do you have to do anything in particular to equip yourself in this area? Yeah. Yeah, there are, there are additional exams. Um, it's not sort of something that everyone's qualified to do. Um, so I undertook the exams and it's something that I'm really loving being involved in. And I think for me as well, it's also highlighted how important it is to have a good relationship with your solicitor and to get wills in place, lasting powers of attorney. Because as I mentioned that case earlier, the attorney I'm working with is genuinely cares for the client and genuinely wants to do what she would have wanted so if you build up that relationship beforehand your attorney's going to know what you want and going to act in your best interests let's just talk let's just dwell briefly on lasting power of attorney and i know we've discussed this in previous pods but in the event this is the first time somebody's tuned in can you just explain what that is and why it's important yeah Yeah. um basically a lasting power of attorney is where you legally appoint somebody to look after your affairs. And there's two. There's two. One is for your health and welfare, and one is for your finance, um, your finances and your property. Okay. So let's just say that you appoint the same person, um, and that person is very often family, but they are bound by law. Um, by so many rules and regulations to make sure they demonstrate that they were looking after the property, your health and welfare, as if it was their own. Um, Very often it can be that solicitors um, or legal representative can be appointed. People assume that in the event, let's say husband and wife, people assume that in the event that one would lose capacity or they can't make decisions for themselves, that their loved ones would be able to step in and make those decisions for them. They can't. Um, And legally, that is a real, real, real problem because what then has to happen is somebody from the Court of Protection would need to be appointed and potentially have people who are making decisions about your loved one who you know, um, somebody as total stranger is making decisions and there's also significant cost involved with that as well. So power of attorney means that you are delegating legal 
appointment to somebody else to make the decisions for you if you can't. Uh, and it's a huge responsibility as well. It's not something that should be taken lightly, which is why a lot of people do appoint a professional. So ju- just on that then, so I'm mid forties, as you know, and um, you don't look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and and recent, so re- recently, I was ill, food poisoning, all very dramatic. If, if I'd got to the point where that had been a really serious case, and I'd ended up in hospital, delirious. On a co- in a coma or, or whatever, are you saying that my wife, who is my next of kin, or my parents couldn't have made any decisions on my behalf? No. Mm, that's scary, isn't it? Um, it is scary. I mean, what the, the, the court or whoever the court appoints has a duty to work with the family. A lot of people think that it's something they don't need to do until they get older. We recommend anybody over the age of 18. And I'll be, I'll be totally honest, Jane, it, it took me years to kind of get my ass in gear and to get it get it done myself because you can do it yourself you can do it yourself on a computer but let's face it we don't jump out of bed on the one and think i'm going to do my power of attorney today it's not something we think about so i did delegate it and handed it over to a solicitor got it done and got it sorted and now the people who are appointed for me i know will make the decisions i want um but also i need i've got a responsibility to make sure the those people know what I want, would want um, as well. You know, so it, it, it's a really, really important area. Um, and, and actually, the solicitor that we were talking about, we have actually invited her to be a guest on the pod. She's on holiday at the moment. But I think it would be um, really good to get the perspective from um, somebody who does mm. act as, as an attorney as well, and especially somebody, because she's somebody who I would be really happy that she was going to continue allowing me wine if I was in a, <laughs> if I needed it, um, in that uh, in that position, so yeah. Okay, we've digressed a little bit, so yeah. let's 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 bring it back to uh, my fault entirely. Let's just bring it back to later life planning then. So, if there are people listening to the podcast now, and they're thinking, we just haven't discussed any of this as a family. How, how do they start to take steps in the right direction? It is a conversation that realistically needs to happen almost half a million are living in care homes across the uk um, and that was a study from care home in august 2021 so you know we've got an aging population coming the chances of needing care is getting higher we're living longer um so it is definitely worth just just chatting through about what would we want what have you got in place um and do start working with a financial advisor to help you navigate that because things do change and rules constantly change and evolve around this area. And that's a really good point because there's so many, um, you know, we hear about it on the news, if you're not daily, weekly about the cost of care um, and social care and um, all of the research and that's being taken care of the government at the moment because of significant cost to the government as well. So legislation is changing constantly um, around that. And, and part of uh, part of our job and part of the support that we have is to keep abreast of those changes so that we can um, make the families aware of what's coming down the road. Or we work with the solicitor and the attorney to make sure that um, we're abreast of what their needs are as, as well. So... As with most things, having us involved will make it easier for families because it almost takes an emotional step away 
um, of bringing that support in rather than trying to navigate it and deal with the emotion that you're having to deal with at the time um, as well. So please just have the conversation. If it's not something that we can help with, then we would, you know, we would tell you, we would try and kind of point you in the right direction. But ultimately, the sooner we start discussing it, um, it is something that's very much on my agenda. I hope that it would be a long time before it would be needed. But I want to make sure that personally, I've got the choice of World Cruise or, um, you know, the kind of care home or kind of care at home that I would want. And that's fundamentally important to me. I want to be able to have that choice. There will always be a place for you on Higgins Care Home Cruises, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Well, as as ever, it's been it's been really insightful. Late life planning, not really a, a subject that we've covered in detail before. So much to think about for uh, for families or individuals who are finding themselves in situations where this is a, a real real consideration. Yeah. So, thank you both for your time. Before we go, how how does anybody get in touch if they want um, a pre preliminary conversation with the team? Our um, landline number is zero one two two eight. Five two six nine seven six. Wonderful. Thank you very much, uh, Rachel. Great insight and lovely to have you as ever. Abigail, thank you for joining us. Some great stuff there from you as well. And uh, we'll see you both soon. Before you go, I need to let you know that the value of an investment with St. James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds you select and the value can therefore go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invested. The levels and basis of taxation and release from taxation can change at any time. The value of any tax relief depends on individual circumstances. The SJP Care Concierge Service may involve a referral to care sourcer whose services are separate and distinct to those offered by St. James's Place. Will writing and powers of attorney also involve the referral to a service which is separate and distinct to those offered by St. James's Place and are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which are set out on the group's website, sjp.co.uk forward slash products. SJP approved December 15th, 2023.